Hi everyone, this is Misha, and I'll be playing Charlie in my middle school production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. On this episode, enjoy a new edition of the Great Duty Debate. Dive into how to best improve school culture and listen to Clint and Chad discuss their not-that-interesting lives in Dad Chat. Okay, here's the episode. Hello, everyone. This is Chad in Astoria, Oregon, home of the Fighting Fishermen. And this is Clint in Roanoke, Virginia. And we have way too many high schools here to name all of the mascots, but I am a proud Patrick Henry Patriot. And this is Schooled Ya, the podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. While also talking about a lot of complete nonsense. (laughs) The goal is to make a podcast that teachers... And anyone else. Tell your friends. Find as fun and interesting as the teacher's lounge during lunch, but without the complaining. Hey, we don't complain. We do think that you need to put down your phone and listen, mister. Whoa. Calm down, dude. (laughs) Sorry, I get heated when people get distracted from the brilliant things that I am saying. Gotcha. So let's see how that goes. Tell me something brilliant. (laughs) Okay, um, how about this? Did you know that Hong Kong is the only place on Earth that can be pronounced without moving your tongue and lips? Really? Hong Kong. Hong Kong. That's super weird. Wow, Chad, that was brilliant. Uh, Just how smart are you? Let's find out by playing another round of The Great Duty Debate. Pew, pew, pew! Our favorite (laughs) game. The one where we each get a common teacher duty and argue for one minute about which one is worse. Exactly. Then we each have 30 seconds to refute the other person's argument. Sounds good. What are the topics today? We're going detention duty versus covering for someone during your planning or prep time. Uh, Okay. Okay. Cool. I got those written down. I will randomly draw for the assignments. So here are the two pieces of paper, rubbing them against each other uh, for the microphone. Is that how you prove that it's random? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I am opening. This one is for me. I am choosing. I got detention, which means you've got covering for something. Okay. All right, Clint. You go, man. Timer is starting now. One of the worst things about being a teacher is that you have to tell people that they're doing things that are wrong and you have to punish them. And it is no fun being the person to punish. And generally, you get a whole bunch of kids that are unhappy after school or sometimes during lunch and you have to shove them all into one room together and force them to be quiet. You also have to keep them from being on their phones. The phone is probably what got them in there in the first place, so they don't (laughs) want to give up their phone at all. And somehow, it's your job for an hour to go around and make sure that everything is happening. If this is lunch detention, you have to do all that while trying to eat your lunch. If it's after school, you have all sorts of things that you should be getting done so that you can be an accomplished teacher, but instead, you're sitting there with all these juvenile delinquents that don't want to be there and don't want to do anything you say. You're not supposed to let them sleep. You're not, they're supposed to be working on homework, but if they're in detention, they're probably not the kind of kids that are going to be doing their homework, and so it's just a big hassle. Dang it. Okay. That was, that was a quick minute. Yeah, it was a quick minute. It does sound like a hassle, Clint, but I have a few arguments against that. Okay. You know, I think sometimes you get this opportunity to connect with kids, and you have to look for those in different places. You know, kind of being in a situation where you get to say, hey, we're both in the same boat here. I know you don't want to be here. 
but I don't really want to be here either. It kind of gives you like this connection where you get a chance to, to, to connect with kids in that way. You know, sometimes it's nice if it's a lunchtime to just have a quiet lunch. You know, you can surf the internet. You don't feel the obligation to be social with your fellow teachers. You get a chance to see other kids that maybe you don't have in class. The last thing, if they're not behaving, I say send them out and let the administrators deal with them. All right. That's a good rebuttal. So now it is your turn. I've got your timer ready whenever you are ready. Covering someone's prep is the worst. First of all, usually it's a last minute thing. The reason you're covering a prep is because someone had to leave uh, without notice or they couldn't find a sub. So you've been planning all day to, to have this prep time. Teachers work around their preps. They know what they're going to be doing. They put things aside to do during their preps, and all of a sudden that is gone, uh, which means that you're either going to have to stay after school or you're going to have to find another time to do the work that you were going to do. Oftentimes, you're going to get vague instructions on what you're supposed to be doing, again, because it was probably a last-minute situation anyway. And so you go into a classroom, and there's little instruction, there's little uh, structure, and you have to try to figure things out, which is stressful enough in your own class. Uh, it's even worse when it's not yours. Also, kids don't act the same when they're in a different environment uh, than what they're used to. So even if they know you, you walk into a different class and it's like a completely different kid. With that teacher being gone and you being in there, the environment's totally changed. It's a really stressful thing to be doing. And this is all replacing your coveted and such a, a special moment to have that prep. Time, 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 time. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. That's good. That's good. Um, so here's what I think about that. The nice thing about doing coverage for somebody is that, at least at my school, and I think at many other schools, we get paid for it. So you get an extra $25 for covering somebody's class. It's That's a pretty good wage for, for an hour's mm -hmm. worth of work. So I like to do that. Also, it allows me to build up some added favors for people. Mm -hmm. So if I ever need anything from them, I can be like, hey, you remember when I covered for you that one time? And then they, they owe me. So I like to mm -hmm. accumulate that, which makes me sound terrible, but I don't care. It works. <laughs> and then finally, usually those lesson plans are pretty simple. Sometimes you get to watch a movie. Sometimes you get to just hang out with some kids that you don't know that well and kind of get to know them. Great point. Nice job. Nice job. That was fun. All right. Well, that just about wraps it up, but we don't really have a winner yet. For that, we need you, dear listeners. Find our polls on either Twitter or Facebook at School Japod and vote for the most compelling or convincing argument you heard. Or just vote for Chad again, because I always <laughs> seem to lose during these dang debates. Yes, you do. As it should be. Now let's take a quick break. One of the biggest expenses in education comes from supplies. Teachers spend hundreds of dollars per year on supplies for their classrooms, and unfortunately, many of those supplies are lost and stolen. That is, until now, with Simply Safe Classroom, the people who keep thousands of homes across the country secure from the tricky fingers of thieves and blackguards. Rather than creating a complex system of security cameras and web apps, Simply Safe Classroom transforms all of your school supplies into finely tuned electrical conductors. If anyone attempts to pass your doorway barrier with a school supply from your room, it will immediately begin pulsing increasingly intense shocks to the scoundrel's fingers. If the item passes more than 100 feet from the doorway barrier, it will burst into flames. While you may lose that particular item, students will quickly learn not to steal from your room. So go online and sign up for Simply Safe Classroom today. Simply Safe Classroom is not liable for fire damage or debilitating injury. Welcome back to School Yeah. This week for our main topic, we are going to dive into school culture. Specifically, how to ensure that as an institution, 
school feels like a safe and comfortable environment for learning, while at the same time maintaining the rigor and discipline that students require to be successful. It can be difficult to maintain that balance between relaxed and rigorous, and we have a few thoughts on how we strive to do so in our classrooms and schools. So Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about Astoria High School's engagement team, because I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, it is. So we have early release every Thursday, and departments typically get together and, and talk about curriculum and all kinds of things. But in a smaller school like ours, we do have quite a few teachers who don't really have a department. You know, we have one PE teacher, one art teacher. We have one uh, computers and technology teacher. So years ago, uh, gosh, I would say probably seven, eight, nine years ago now, they put these particular teachers and, and some counselors and administrators together as an engagement team. And their job is essentially to work on projects and plans to increase student engagement in the school. And the things that they do, just off the top of my head right now, um, they do a pancake feed during finals week at the in the middle of the year and at the end of the year. Right now, every Thursday when we meet in our PLCs, every teacher gets a chance to write a student's name on a, on a slip and the, the engagement team comes around and collects all those and then they draw two random names out of a hat and uh, that teacher gets to write a little something about that student, why they want to recognize them kind of as a student of the week. And then every Friday morning, uh, one of the engagement team members gets on the intercom and, and reads those and recognizes those students. They do a lot of stuff with attendance, recognizing attendance. And the idea with, with what they do is, is just trying to help create a culture where there's positivity, where students feel involved, where it's not just about the kids who typically get the recognition like the athletes or the student council people, but trying to reach into all the nooks and crannies of, of our population and, and recognize kids and make them feel good about being here. And so they're, they're always kind of creating ideas and creating kind of fun things to do. Uh, I used to be on the engagement team when I was an administrator, and it was one of my favorite favorite things to do. Did you guys find information or data or anything that indicated that this was making a difference for students or was it just kind of a it was a cool thing that we do and we don't necessarily know if it's working but we think it is you know I can't recall if we have any kind of long-term data from pre-test post-test type of stuff but what I can say is I'm very proud that our school usually gets pretty high marks from students about we feel like teachers care we feel like we are in a safe place that is kind of a theme that continuously comes back from kids one of the things that I think Astoria High School does very well is make sure that students feel known by the staff and cared for right. by the staff. And I don't know right. that every high school has that. I know that uh, that's something that we're struggling with at uh, Patrick Henry, but we're working on it. We don't get those early releases, which makes, I, I think, one of the, the big things about the engagement team and, and other organizations like that is that uh, it has been made a priority. And the way that you can tell that it's a priority for the school is that they've made time for you to do it. I think that's one of the biggest cultural issues is that we expect these kinds of things to happen, but we don't give teachers the time or the resources to affect a change. We just are expecting change. And I don't right. think that that's I think that that's probably the biggest thing about the engagement team that I would want to point out is administration wants it to happen, and so they make yeah. sure that it happens. And I think that's well, that's yeah. Key. I mean, you're you're basically saying here, I, there's a group of nine people that we are expecting you for an hour a week to come up with and implement things to make kids feel more welcome. I mean, that is the expectation. That is really all that they're asked to do. You know, and some things probably are less effective than others. I remember when I was kind of running it as an administrator, we, we would try stuff all the time and sometimes they would crash and burn and sometimes they'd be silly. But again, you never know who it's positively impacting and you're just maybe not necessarily seeing it. Right. And I think that those are the kinds of things that people are going to remember for a long time. Like in high right. school, you learn your regular stuff, but then at the same time, you also remember these kind of 
cool events. And that kind of ties into my second thing is the idea of using humor as much as possible. I know that this is not a thing that uh, Chad loves, but this is a thing that I really enjoy is doing um, kind of the the weird assemblies where teachers dress up and dance and sing and be idiots uh, in front of everybody. I know that that's very stressful for some people, but uh, some of my best memories of high school come from when our teachers would do pep assemblies and would go down and do lip sync and stuff. And uh, actually, that's we have kind of a winter week coming up at the uh, at the end of this month. I'm going to be lip syncing, but it's it's those kinds of things where kids are able to see, oh, these guys are putting themselves out there for our amusement and fun, and it does create kind of that connection. I know that in my own classroom, I try to make everything as fun and upbeat as possible. So being able to do those kinds of things shows students that you care enough about them to try really hard to make your material engaging or entertaining even when the skill is maybe a little dull i I a lot of times like to share with my students a funny story about my kids Mm -hmm. Uh, if something happened over the weekend or if you know my daughter's uh my baby's just starting to walk and you know i don't necessarily tell every class that it's not like part of my daily plan but you know when things come up uh or if it somehow fits into the lesson uh, just sharing things about stuff you do outside of school connecting with another kid about something that they like and something that you like giving kids opportunities to see that you are human and you are not a robotic teacher is such an impactful way to connect with them and make them feel comfortable in your in your classroom. And I think that that's the case in the halls too. Uh, one of the things that I have to do as part of my job is to wander the halls during one of the class periods and make sure that kids are getting where they need to go. And I've watched some teachers get up in people's faces and kind of be confrontational, and that never ends well. And I usually tend to be a little bit lighter-hearted, at least in the first couple of times I see them, of like, haven't I seen you somewhere before? Oh, yeah, it was right here in the hall. And, you know, those kinds of little jokey things can help students know, okay, yeah, I should be doing this other thing and, and recognize what they need to do, but also make you not a horrible, horrible monster, which... Sometimes they think that you are because yeah. you're trying to make them do a thing they don't want to. So yeah, right. being able to be be humorous. And I like that you pointed out that sharing things that somebody else might be interested in, talking about, yeah, I like that thing too. I think a lot of that has to do with being you know, flexible with our time in our class and being able to take time for those little moments instead of, well, I don't have time yeah. to talk about that. I've got to get on to fractions or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot, too, that we can do within our classrooms in terms of the physical environment. I have shared on this podcast that I built standing tables, stand-up desks, whatever you want to call them, uh, for my classroom a a few years ago. And and part of that was to give kids kind of the flexibility of getting to stand and being able to sit and being able to move around a little bit more. And and while the, the physical part of that is helpful and there's a lot of research that says that's great for learning. It's also, I think, a a message that you're sending to kids is like, I'm trying to put you in a position to be as comfortable as possible and so that you can learn. I remember when we had talked a lot about that stuff uh, back when I worked in Astoria. I had a couple of couches that other people had donated to me, and so I brought couches in. I had some places where you could sit in rows. I had some places where you could sit in groups, and I had some places where you could uh, be at standing tables. And every kid found a place that was comfortable for what they liked to do. And again, showing that you are willing to see them as individuals can really make a big difference. And I I think sometimes you have to be really overt with that at first. Sometimes a 15-year-old doesn't necessarily see that connection. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the beginning of school or whatever it may be, be like, the reason we're doing this is because we want you to be comfortable. It's not because I want you sleeping on a couch. I want you to kind of be responsible and have the maturity to figure out where do I learn best. And again, you know, especially what this episode is about, it's about that message of we're trying to we're trying really hard to create an environment that's best for you. 
and hopefully you feel cared about because of the work we've put into to, to doing this. Right. And as far as seeing kids as individuals, I think that's the biggest aspect of all of the things that we're talking about is that it becomes really easy to think of our student body as just that one unified body and, and forget that every kid is an individual and is unique and has different life experiences and different um, issues going on in their lives. Uh, one of the things that not just Patrick Henry High School, but the entirety of the Roanoke City School District is trying to uh, work toward is being something that is called trauma-informed. So I went to a training recently about all of this, and one of the things that I learned was just how infrequently our students are able to deal with those kinds of problems in a responsible way and how it manifests into other behaviors. And so recognizing uh, that a lot of times the behaviors that we see in class are not a result of them necessarily being just obstinate little jerks. It has to do with them not having eaten, not have, having just watched right. something horrible go down uh, the night before. They didn't get a good night's sleep because they are sleeping on the fifth couch of the week and they don't have a stable home environment. And so being able right. to be understanding of those things while at the same time holding kids accountable for their own learning. When we are able to say to a student, listen, I understand where you're coming from and I know what's going on. I'm going to do everything I can to help you, but you still have to learn this. I think that that shows that they are valuable because we still care that they learn, but also they're valuable because we care what's happening. You know, and I, I haven't done the trauma-informed training, um, but as you were just talking, one, one thought that came to my mind is, you know, we say these sayings, and of course you're, you're correct on this, but the other thing is I, I think I have right now about 170 students total, and there's, there's no possible way that I could know everything that's going on with all 170 of my students, especially if it just happened, you know, yesterday. But I think all the things we've been talking about in this, the idea of laying that groundwork of strong relationships and feeling a kid feeling like they're cared about, even if I don't specifically know what's going on, you know, if a kid feels engaged in our school and if I've been able to connect with them through humor or personal connection or whatever throughout the year, if I have created an environment that is welcoming, then even if I don't specifically know what's going on with them and I like, you know, that person and I have not had a conversation about, hey, I'm here to help you and whatever you need. If they can feel good about being in the school and in my classroom because of all the kind of groundwork that we've laid, like that has got to be super impactful and helpful mm -hmm. for that student that's going through trauma. And I think that it's it's not just a individual thing. Like we're kind of talking about what we do individually, but at the very beginning we right. talked about the engagement team and that it was a group of teachers all working together for this common goal. And I think one of the problems that sometimes we do we have as teachers is that we think of ourselves as just individuals doing our own thing in our own classroom, and we forget that everybody on staff, we are all tasked with helping every student in the school, that every student right. is our student. So let's say I've made a connection with a certain student and I know that something is going on. The key to this, the key to really making this work is communication. We have to be able sure. to tell their other teachers and say, hey, I don't know if you guys have noticed that Susan is having some issues, but I think that might be because of this that's going on. So you might want to, you know, just kind of be aware that that is happening. Right. Or the counselors have some, some inside information and they don't have to tell you specifics, but they come to you and they say, hey, just so you're aware, home life is not going great for this student. Make sure right. that you are, you know, sensitive to that. And right. that kind of communication is essential 
to fixing these kinds of um, systemic problems in our schools where students come in sometimes and feel like nobody cares about them. We don't want to have a bunch of screenwriters who go out and write about one particular teacher who was the only one that cared. We want right. we want the future movies <laughs> that talk about how high yeah, schools work to school. be about everybody rallying together yeah. to help everybody else be successful. I, I'm curious, you know, you, you had mentioned something earlier about, you know, we can't kind of look at our students as one student body. I would be curious to kind of flip that role and to get an idea about how our students think of the staff, the kind of the difference between thinking of each teacher individually or kind of as a whole, because I think we need to kind of assume that our students think of it as a whole. Right. And, you know, so if I have three teachers that I really like and I like the class, but four of them I don't feel cared about, it's a bad experience experience for me. Four out of those seven classes are not good. It's probably not a very good day. And our brains are hardwired to concentrate on the negative things that happen. We just had a new year roll over and a lot of people were talking about how 2018 was so terrible. But I think if we all went back and looked at it, we would probably see lots of great things that happened in 2018 too. But we're just hardwired to think of the negative. And if you're a kid who's gone to seven classes, two of them were really great and you felt good in them and four of them were okay. And then that last one was awful. You're going to go home and remember the awful one and think of all of your teachers as being awful and this day was awful yeah. and so I think yeah the more that we can we can work together and everybody be on kind of the same page as to how we're doing this uh, the better off we're going to be so listeners do you have anything you would like to add to this discussion post how you solve this puzzle on our Facebook page at schooledyapod or send us an email at schooledyapodcast at gmail.com but right now we need to take another break for one of our sponsors hey everyone Chad again co-host of School Ya. You know, being a teacher on a tight budget and still wanting to dress nice for work is almost an impossible task. I mean, clothes are spendy, and I certainly don't have time to go shopping for school clothes. Plus, I know within a week my brand new dress shirt is going to have a pin mark or a small coffee stain anyway. That's why I'm so excited to have found Mr. Jones Closet, the online clothing club for the busy teacher. It's really cool. For a small monthly fee, my personal stylist sends me an old copy paper box with three pre-owned, lightly worn outfits. I try them on, and if I don't like them, I send them back at no extra cost. I pay for only what I keep. The best part is, all the clothes have been donated by other teachers, so those pen marks and food stains are already there, which I now no longer have to feel bad about ruining my perfectly brand new shirt. Go to Mr. Jones Closet online and mention us to receive $3 off your first month of membership. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Jones Closet, because it's a filthy, filthy, filthy job. And welcome back. Now it's time for our last and favorite segment of the show, Dad, Dad Chat. Chat. It's our opportunity to brag just a little about what has been happening in our lives that is bringing us joy. Chad, why don't you start us off? As this uh, episode airs, uh, my dad is going to be just about two weeks into double total knee replacement surgery. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I bring this up. It's dad chat time. So yeah. I wanted to bring it up for that reason. But, you know, I think one of the reasons uh, his knees were completely worn out is I'm sure there was some kind of pre disposition to, to having that happen eventually. But you know, he was also a teacher, a PE teacher that spent 30 years on his feet on uh, gym floors and asphalt playgrounds. And I think that probably led a lot to the pain and the 
agony that he's been dealing with for the last 10 or 15 years. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for him. You know, it's a kind of a sacrifice to go through this. It's a long road to recovery and, and there's a lot of pain and kind of uncertainty that goes with it. But uh, a big reason why he chose to, to do this is, you know, he's got six grandkids and, uh, you know, for the last, I would say 10 or 15 years, he's had a real difficult time being able to do a lot of the things he's wanted to do with them and, and us as a family. And he's always been very active and very fit, but uh, just staying on his feet for long periods of time have been really hard. So he decided to, to take the plunge and get them both done at the same time. So it's quite a process and it's it's a pretty pretty major surgery. But uh, I'm really proud of him for doing it because because uh, I know it's going to kind of benefit all of us and definitely uh, my kids and his other grandkids a, a lot. So I just wanted to wish dad well and uh, good luck with that whole process and uh, just you know kind of share that I'm super proud of him. That does not sound fun, but it is going to pay off in the long run, I'm sure. Definitely. What do you have? I've had a pretty good uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> so some of you probably know this already, but uh, I was interviewed by a reporter from NPR. And those people that know me well know that NPR is kind of like my Marvel comics for a lot of other people. I'm mildly obsessed with NPR. I follow a lot of the reporters on Twitter and listen to many, many, many of their podcasts. And it's uh, kind of an obsession of mine. And I was just scrolling through Twitter one day and I saw a link to a reporter who was just asking questions about technology. And so I posted a response to her and she responded back to that and asked if we could talk. So we connected on the phone and I got to be interviewed. And then just uh, a few days ago from when we're recording now, it aired on Morning Edition, the morning news show. And a whole bunch of people from Astoria heard it and texted me and people here in Roanoke heard it and texted me and it was kind of exciting. And uh, it gave me an opportunity opportunity to share a little bit of what I know. And the exciting thing to me also is that they linked to our podcast website. So if you are a person who came and are listening right now because of the NPR story, I hope you keep listening and uh, talk to us on Facebook or or on Twitter because we would love to hear from you and find out what you think. But that's not the best thing that happened this week. That was really cool. But the other thing that happened is I was helping my daughter, my youngest daughter, Sarah, work on an essay that she was writing. And the essay assignment was to write about her three wishes. And she said that a lot of her friends and a lot of the other students in her class were wishing for things. And she was like, I can't really think of anything that I need. I have everything I need, which was pretty great to hear. And then the things that she came up with that she finally landed on were one, everyone should be kinder to animals. Two, everyone should be kinder to people. And three, we need to have more peace in the world. And she's such a mature and sweet young woman. I am very proud of her. And I was just very pleased that she was so innocent and kind in what she cares about in this world. She could have wished to go to Disney World again. She could have wished for some new toy. But what she really wanted was for other people to be happy and healthy and and be kind to each other. Yeah. Uh, makes amazing. me feel like maybe I didn't blow it as a dad. Well, that's probably mostly Nikki doing yeah. the, <laughs> 100%. Doing the good work there, but yeah, that, that's really sweet. Well, that music fading up is telling me we've reached the end of the show. Hey, you got a question for us? Any advice on how to improve school culture? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. And you can vote for the worst duty that we talked about on Twitter and Facebook at SchoolJapod. Follow me on Twitter at Astoria. You can also find me on Instagram at chatterboxes and don't forget about our website schooledyapod.com the lovely intro and outro music you are enjoying was performed by my equally lovely wife nikki and all our sponsors are fake but our artwork is not a special thank you to Corey logan for the great cover design if you liked what you heard please subscribe and don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on apple Podcasts. 
It really helps other people find us. And if you like the show, maybe post about us on your social media outlets. The more listeners we get, the more cool stuff we'll be able to bring to your ears. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.